0: Today, are you ready for God to give you a word? Yes. Yes. I'm done talking about Chicago. you never hear it again. Now I'm coming to you, okay? Um, right now, I was, like, talking to Pastor Hunter, and I was asking God, like, God, what do you want to say? Like, if you have a microphone, what do you want to say? And I just wanted to say right now in the service that this is all him. Whatever happens is all him. Like, if I fail it's him. <laughs> if I succeed, it's him. Like, it's, it's like, all the criticism, I'm going to give it to him. All the, everything, all the praise, I'm giving it to him. And I told God this, too. I said, hey, God, if I go to Chicago and the church fails, it's not my fault. Because <laughs> you called me. It's your vision. I'm just going to do what you did. But also, if it succeeds, it's not me, either. <laughs> so, it's all on you, whatever happens. And, um, so today, I was asking God, what do you want to say? And I had just preached this message in, in our youth group, and I was going to preach something completely different, and he said, I want you to preach what you preach to the youth. Um, and it's called, There is Purpose in My Pain. I know for a fact that everybody has gone through at least some sort of pain, and you're like, raise, raise your hand if you've gone through something, some more than others, some more severe than others. And I'm going to share, I'm going to be real with you. Can I be real, transparent, open? Something about read, read is real. Like, I, I can't do fake stuff. And so I'm going to be real transparent, real open. I'm going to show you some pain that I've gone through. But I'm going to show you that God had a purpose behind it. Like, how would we ever see how faithful God was if we never went through anything? How would we, if we just were on the mountaintop the whole time... We would take for granted the mountaintop. But when you start a church with nothing and you're at the bottom and now you're here, you're like, oh, my God, I'm so thankful. It's perspective. You see perspective. There's some people. I saw this uh, on Facebook. There was a person driving a car and he was comparing his car to a person who had a better car. And he was thinking, man, I, I wish I had that car. But then there was a person riding a bike who looked at his car and they were saying, man, I wish I had that car. And then there was a person who was in a wheelchair who couldn't walk, who looked at the person who was riding a bike and said, man, I wish I could ride a bike. But then there was a person who was paralyzed who said, man, I wish I could even move my neck. So it's just all perspective. And comparison is the thief of joy. So let's just wipe comparison out. Can we do that? And let's be who God has called us to be. Amen. So my scripture to go to, there's purpose in my pain. I'm going to read this this chapter in John 9. And um, it's John 9, 1 through 38. And then we're going to go into there is purpose in my pain. Y'all ready? Yes. Okay, here we go. This is about a blind man. We're going to see. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Someone say from birth. And as his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? Has anyone heard this story? Clap twice if you heard it. Say, who sinned, this man or his parents? They're trying to trick him. That he was born blind. They're like, Jesus, why was this man born blind? Like, if God is good, why are people born blind? They're asking Jesus this question. Like, Jesus, if you're really good, like, why is this baby born blind? blind was it his future sins or was it his parents past sins why was it all about sin that they would do and that's and you're and you're giving this baby a consequence based off what he would do or what his parents did is is that why you blinded his eyes god like you see the pharisees they're in this they're in this mindset of god is punishing people they're in this mindset of god is angry at people because of sin that's why they would stone sinners and jesus came to love sinners jesus came to be friends with sinners jesus came to set captives free and so in this story jesus answered neither it's not, nothing has to do with sin neither this man nor his parents sin but that the works of god should be revealed in him basically this is setting up this this was a setup this man who was born blind was actually set up for me to open his eyes, for God to do a miracle. How would we see the miraculous and the power of God without a problem? How would there ever be a promise if there was never a problem? So God is saying, because of the problem, I'm now going to bring a promise. But if but if you're too focused on your problem, you're not going to see my promise. But there's a lot of people, they don't even acknowledge the problem. They don't even... They, like. Faith people, we're talking about faith, right? We're in a series of faith. There's some people, faith people, they're like, I doubt the problem even exists. You know, like, then I'm just like walking. Uh, There was this this thing on Facebook again. It was like the different denominations of what people, how people deal with problems. And the charismatic was like, they're in the pit, but I'm believing I'm not in the pit. (laughs) You know, faith is not the absence of pain. Faith is not the absence of problems, it's the presence of purpose in spite of it. So, so we're going to talk about how God has a purpose in spite of your pain. You ready? he said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with saliva. Someone say nasty. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool, which is translated scent, that word I can't pronounced salaam or whatever is is translated since so he went and washed and came back seeing someone say seeing he came back seeing he came back seeing he was born blind but now he sees and there's a problem arising therefore the neighbors someone say the neighbors know my name I'm just playing therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said it is not this he who sat and begged they're like is this the beggar And then someone said, this is he. Others said, oh, it's just someone who looks like him. And therefore they said to him, how were your eyes open? Like, how did this happen? And then in verse 11, he answered and said, a man called Jesus. Like, that will change your life. Like, just a man called Jesus. Um, That's my testimony. A man called Jesus. I encountered a man called Jesus and he he made clay and anointed my eyes and said go to the pool of salam and wash so i went and washed and received sight and they said to him where is he where is this man he said i do not know like i don't know where jesus is like he just came opened my eyes has jesus ever done something powerful in your life and then the next moment you don't know where he is like has jesus ever like done something amazing and you're on a mountaintop and then the next moment you're like where'd you go <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it ever happened yeah. so they brought him who formerly was blind to the pharisees issues now it was a sabbath when jesus made the clay and opened his eyes it's not a it's not a coincidence or a coincidence that jesus healed this man's eyes on the sabbath Because Jesus said, I only do what my father says to do. I only say what my father tells me to say. So the Sabbath, we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. But Jesus is changing the mindset. He's changing the culture. And sometimes you get crucified by changing culture. And so Jesus started changing tradition. He started changing mindsets. And so people started getting mad. And this has happened to me many times. Even when got mad at you. Any religious people done got mad at you? i thought talking about like throw fire down your throat because you went and healed somebody. Anybody? Like I've had people sit me down in their offices because I witnessed somebody at, at like Pizza Hut or something. Now, read you, you can't just do that. You make people feel uncomfortable. I was like, man, they're going to be even more un- uncomfortable in hell. <laughs> I gotta go talk to these men. I don't care. It made me feel uncomfortable too. (laughs) So, verse 15 then the Pharisees also asked him again, How had he received his sight? And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes and washed, and I see. It's so easy. It looks like they're blind. I used to be blind, but now I see that's his testimony. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does, the, he does these works on the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? So they're, like, confused. And then there was division among them. You know, anywhere there's religion, there's division. Oh, man, you better just start writing some notes. Relationship with Jesus is where we're at let's let's stay in that lane okay let's keep going different message different time they said to the blind man again what do you say about him because he opened your eyes he said he's a prophet but then the jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight like they didn't believe until they had called the parents of him so they were like you know what we ain't gonna believe what you say we're gonna bring your mama and your daddy because you know we going we gonna really see what this is what this is about. So they brought the parents of him who had received this sight. And they asked them, the parents saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? So just one miracle has the whole city in frustration. And so now his parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means now he sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. See, the parents threw him under the bus. His parents said these things because they were fearful of the jews for the jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was the christ he would be put out of the synagogue basically cast out of church and there's a lot of people casting christians out of church still because we're doing the works of jesus in the earth still doing miracles here and we're like hey we don't do miracles here we don't do that 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 don't really happen so you're getting out the church we're going to kick you out the church jesus did the same thing as happening here at the same well so watch this He's of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was born blind and said to him, give God the glory. You ever, you ever forced, you ever been forced to give God glory? You ever been forced to serve God? You ever been forced to pray? You ever been forced to serve him? You know, growing up, this is part of the pain in my life. I'm a pastor's kid double pastors kid, double PK because my grandpa was pastor before my dad was pastor. My dad was a pastor and then their uncles are pastor. I got pastors all in my lineage. And growing up, it wasn't necessarily my family, but the people in our church, they saw me as the next pastor at four. They saw me as the next pastor and elder and deacon at six. And no one ever trained me or taught me about how God wants to serve me. Because what does the Bible say? Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And a lot of us like, I want to serve you, Jesus. Or not even that. Or people are like, serve Jesus, serve Jesus, serve Jesus, serve Jesus, serve Jesus. And I'm like, who is Jesus? <laughs> you know, I'm like, no one. I grew up in church, but I never knew Jesus. I knew pews. I knew, I knew hymns but I didn't know Jesus. I knew, I knew praise, but I didn't know Jesus. I knew how to sing a song, but I didn't know Jesus. I read words in a book, but I didn't know the author. And, and so I grew up in church without discipleship. And what happened was people started putting false expectations on me. Reed, you got to be a leader. If you talk in Sunday school, everybody going to talk. And I'm a talker. Boy, you can already tell. I used to get in trouble in school. My teacher be like, Reed, go to the corner, put your desk in the corner, and turn to the corner, because you're making the whole class talk. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm talking to myself in the corner anyway. <laughs> And so what happened was people started forcing me to serve God. You know what happened? I rebelled because rules without relationship will lead to rebellion. And if you come to church to get a checklist done, you're faking it and it's not going to work. If you pay your tithes because it makes you feel better about yourself, it's not going to last if you pay your tithes to get God to love you more, it's not gonna last. Like if you if you sing songs to get God to approve your life, it's not gonna last. Because we don't do things for God to do things for us. We do things because He's already done something. Like He's already paid a price. He already served us. The thing is, I didn't know what He wanted to serve me. Like for it's it's, it's crazy in our thinking that. God wants to serve me. It's so crazy because we think of leadership as, oh, man, you're on top. But what does Jesus say? First shall be last. Leaders eat last. There's a lot of people here. You were the first people here this morning, but the last to enter the door. People were first outside in the parking lots getting signs, but they missed worship because leaders eat last, and leaders serve. They are servants, and who is God but the best leader in the planet? Who is Jesus but the leader of his kingdom, and he's leading by serving, and that's why he washes the disciples' feet. That's why he's beaten on his back 39 times, and nails go through his hands because He's serving us. (laughs) And so, but religious people, we get mad because we want to serve first. We want to be first. (laughs) But the first will be last. So when you want to do something first, you're going to be last (laughs) in the kingdom. When you want to be the one up here, you're never going to get up here. I promise you. I was at a conference, this huge conference. It's called Descend. Anybody ever heard about Descend? I was there, and this this guy, he was like, they were asking him, "Hey, what what if they asked you? What if they prophesied?" I was like, "Hey, come up here. You got a word." He was like, "Man, I would love that. I would I would love to be up there on that stage." And in my heart, I was like, "You'll never get up there." Because you don't know the price that those mega mighty men of God have paid to be in that place in that position you don't know the pain and the suffering that they have gone through you don't you don't know one thing that they have purchased and paid for for the anointing to be as present as it is you don't understand they have two cups one is their personal prayer life one is their ministry prayer life and you think you can just get one cup of of my ministry prayer life and you and if you just overflow it. In your ministry and never your personal, you're gonna run dry. You're gonna run out. You're gonna die trying to give people Jesus. And the thing is, this one just say facts. Boy, we say that all the time in youth. We like facts. They call me the fax machine. So here it is. So they again called the man who was blind and they said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know one thing. I know that I was blind, but now I see. Someone say, I was blind, but now I see. Then they said to him again... What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered and said, I already told you, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And then they rev- then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. Like, we're better than you. We're like from Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses as for his fellow, but we do not know where he is from. This man answered and said to them, why this is a marvelous thing, and yet you do not know where he is from. Yet he he is open my eyes now we know that god does not hear sinners this is what the pharisees are saying but if anyone is a worshiper of god and does his will he hears him in work still in work still. why does the bible say anyone who calls on the name of the lord he'll save that's sinners that's everybody so god is hearing people who are calling on him you see that since the world began has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of who was born blind if this man were not from god he could do nothing Thing. they answered and said to him you were completely born in sins, and you are teaching us and they cast him out so jesus heard the drama going on in the synagogue that they had cast him out and when he had found him he said to him do you believe in the son of god now this is a this is powerful i want i just want to ask you this question do you believe in the son of god he answered and said who is he lord that i might believe in him and jesus said something super cool This is so amazing. He said, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Wake up call. Light bulb. Wow. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And that's where we're going to stop. This story starts with a man born blind from birth and ends with the man seeing and worshiping. I wonder if the pain that you're going through is just a setup for greater worship to come through you. I wonder if the disappointment and the trial and that job you just lost and that cancer that just formed, I wonder if the pain is just a setup for God to show you how good he is. I wonder if the pain is just a setup because god told me this he said read you realize i set the devil up so good i crossed the devil so good let me show you he said without the shedding of blood there can be no forgiveness of sins and if the devil knew that he would have left the flesh of jesus closed but but the devil is just so focused on killing and destroying That he didn't realize that God's plan involved death. He didn't realize that God's plan and purpose involved some pain. He didn't realize that God's resurrection had to first endure a crucifixion. And so if he just would have known that sometimes pain can bring purpose. If he would have known that crucifixion can bring resurrection. He would have never brought a crucifixion. If he would have known that blood washes away sin. He would have never opened him up. But he didn't know. And there's many of us. We don't know that God has a purpose in spite of our pain. We don't know that God had a plan for that divorce. He didn't. We didn't know that God had a plan when your kid rebelled and your kid went through that, but he's bringing them back. And your kid had to go through that to know how good and how great and how merciful and how powerful his grace really is. Like I had to I had to see my sin in order to see his son. I had to see my pain in order to see his presence and his peace. I had to see my guilt in order to see his grace. I had to see my persecution in order to see my prince. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a promise in the problem. But how many of us just ignore the problem? I mean, like, we go through some pain, bro. I mean, like, there's some real pain in life. Can I give some examples? And... Maybe this applies to you. Maybe it doesn't. But some of this happened to me. Like, I was forced to serve God. I mean, I missed game seven of the New York Yankees versus the Red Sox for Sunday night church. I'm still upset. <laughs> like, like, I missed Super Bowl parties. Like, what about the pain of Family. Like, what if God had a purpose in spite of how you were raised? What if you can reach someone who was raised just as worse or even better or just just how you were and you're like, man, God brought me out of that and now I can touch another life that was just in my spot and it's like I'm giving out what God has given me and there's there's some real pain in in the way we were raised. There's some real pain in our backgrounds, but God is revealing a bigger purpose. God is revealing a better plan. He's revealing so much hope and so much light in spite of our darkness darkness I mean there has to be there has to be darkness to see what light is like if it was just all light we wouldn't know what light is but the reason we know how powerful light is is because we see how powerful darkness is like when you see how dark darkness can be you will be so grateful for how marvelous light really is and he translated us out of the kingdom of darkness and put us into the kingdom of light of his son and when you realize that you were dark that you were blind even though you were religious because this is what Jesus said let me let me go to you can I can I step on the toes in the back can I can I come to you right where you are he said the people who think they see do not see the people who think that they see are blind and they are the blind leading the blind but i came to open up the blinded eyes and it's not physically blind that he's talking about it's spiritual blindness you realize you realize god wants you to realize that you're spiritually blind he wants you to know that he wants you to know that that you're spiritually blind because when you know that you're blind you come to the person who can open up your eyes he comes to the person that can open up your perspective but if you think you see and you were born saved and you're born on a pew and you're just going to heaven because you're born in church And you think you can see, but he said, I come to shut the eyes of the people who think they can see. And I come to open the eyes of the people who know they can't see. So the thing is, I know I'm a sinner, but it's by grace that I am saved. The pain of family, the pain of our backgrounds, the the pain of family losses, the pain of divorce, the the pain of foster care, the, the pain of abuse, sexual abuse and physical abuse and spiritual abuse, the pain of the passing away of our loved ones, the pain of unmet and unrealistic expectations, the pain of tragedies and arguments and fighting. And there's been words spoken over us that have defined who we are today. And these words were seeds, but now they've produced fruits fruits of insecurities and fruits of fears and fruits of unbelief and fruits of depression all from one word that your father spoke over you all from one word that your aunt said about you but this is what the bible says that would change your life no one can accuse who god has justified But the devil is the accuser of the brethren. You know, the, one of the main things the devil does is accuse, point the finger, judge. And if you've been judged in church and point the finger at in church, could it be the devil accusing you and not wanting you to come back? Could it be the devil using Christians? We always talk about God, use me, God, use me, God, 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 use me, God. Oh, my God, that's such a good song. (laughs) And then we go out and someone pulls out in front of us, if you... meanwhile you're thinking how could anything good come from me how could anything good come out of my life has anybody ever said that how could anything good come out of this situation how could anything good come out of my family how could anything good come out of me i was trapped i'm talking about so trapped in religion and hurt but ain't nobody been through hurt like pastor's kids like church hurt Ain't nobody been through hurt like pastor's kids or people who were forced and obligated to serve God. You know, my dad's favorite scripture. This is my dad's favorite scripture. I love my father, too. I serve him right now. He said, "As for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Oh, I used to hate that. Not only the pain of family, the pain of Friends what about fractured friendships you know anybody got friends (laughs) like you are the average of the top five friends you hang out with you're like what's wrong with me i can't like serve god like i'm something's bad like something's like off like who's your friends god i can't hear you anymore Do your friends hear God? When's the last time you prayed with your girlfriends? The pain of fitting in. Oh, we about to come. The pain of being accepted by people rather than being accepted by God. The fear of man has been crippling a generation. The fear of man has been crippling our witnessing in our effectiveness instead of us impacting the world the world is impacting us instead of us being light we are putting our light under a basket and we're looking like darkness and the only type of light people see is when we're in here And this is like our basket that people oh man i can't wait to go to church because i just oh shine 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 and this is our cradle and we're scared but when you go outside you know the worst enemy is silence you know I say this all the time God I can't be silent I will be like a siren warning everyone about your coming I can't be silent anymore <laughs> People are like, man, you're breaking me, bro, stop. Every time I preach, people cry and I don't like it. Not only the pain of family, not just the pain of friends. What about the pain of me? What if if I don't like me? What if I put five filters on me before I post a snapchat? What if I can't look in the mirror longer than seven seconds? You know, this, this girl in my youth group, she came to me. She's like, oh, my God, like, everyone hates me. I have no friends, Reed. Everyone in this youth group is out to get me. I promise you. You know, this one quote, they said, you won't care how much people think of you when you realize how much they don't. Oh, man, that stepped on some toes. Like, I know people don't just wake up, oh, my God, read <laughs> That guy? <laughs> people, don't think of, people don't think of me that much. Yeah. People think of themselves. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Man, come on, guys. The pain of me. People aren't nice to me. Maybe you feel that way because you're not nice to yourself. People are rejecting me. And people come, this one girl came to me, Pastor Reed, I like this boy, but he just rejects me. He, he rejects me. Every, have you talked to him? No. <laughs> Could it be that you've rejected your own self? And just when someone looks at you funny, you think they're rejecting you, but maybe they're just looking at the stain on the wall behind you. <laughs> and you're so insecure about how you look that you think everyone looks bad at you because you look bad at you? But maybe you don't like you because you don't even know you. Because the Bible says you're a new creation. Maybe you knew the old you, but you don't know the new you. Because you can be in church your whole life and know the old you better than you know the new you. And the Bible says the old you died. And the new you lives. So who am I? Could it be that all the pain that we feel comes from what we have within? Could it be the reason people cut on the outside is because they're cut on the inside and they want? The pain that they're feeling on the outside to line up with the pain that they're feeling on the inside for there to be something on the outside that they can actually feel pain because they don't really know why that they've struggled with suicide they don't really know why they struggle with depression and rejection the way that they do and there's just something within themselves that makes them feel inadequate and fearful everywhere they go there's been people in our youth group healed of ptsd there's been people healed in our youth group full of depression and suicide my mom almost committed suicide at the age of 12 but then god stopped her because he this is what the devil wants you to think if you commit suicide you're just killing you but god sees generations behind you that are coming that are witnessing that are spreading his love and his joy and his peace in the earth and if my mom would have killed herself i would have never existed and you would have never heard this word And agape Chicago would have never been planted. And Chicago would have never been saved. And people would never come to know Jesus through my life. Because of one person's decision. Could it be that one person's decision has affected you. And impacted you in such a degree. That you've been doing the same thing to other people. That people have done to you. Because you want them to feel the same way that you feel. What if god had a purpose in spite of pain like what if god put my mom in that situation where she was born into a family that abused her went through foster care about to kill herself at 12. And God, she didn't even know God, a light came through her room at night. And she heard a whisper, do not kill yourself. Call the cops in the morning. If God wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have been here. I am the result of God's provision and God's power and God's majesty. Doctors told my mom, you would never be able to have kids. Five years of trying to have kids, I was the firstborn. God, I am a miracle. I am not supposed to be on planet earth. I'm not supposed to be here from human point of views. But God had a bigger plan in spite of our pain. God had a bigger purpose in spite of what you've gone through. And we're about to shout. Are you ready to shout? Because you're like, okay, man, you've been repeating yourself like over and over. Like, what's the purpose, man? Like, man, I know the pain, but what's the purpose? Like, I don't know the purpose. But maybe God is setting us up. Are you ready to get set up? Let me ask you, have you ever played checkers? And you think you're winning. Like you make this move, like, oh, I got him, I got him, I got him. Like that's the devil. The devil's like, I got him. Like I put him through that pain. I put him through this. I put him through that. And you ever had someone four jump you? <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Keep me. even see that coming bro <laughs> you're good you are so good you've been you ever been playing you've been playing chess and you move up you move a piece you like just silent just looking people are like i don't even know what chess is <laughs> bear with me the queen is like the royalty You can't get the queen you get the queen you get everything that's in real life too okay so you ever had someone checkmate you? You know the devil thought he'd checkmate God? The devil thought he'd checkmate you. The devil thought he'd checkmate this church. The devil thought he'd checkmate your finances. The devil thought he'd checkmate your your religion. The devil thought he checkmate your mate. That was funny. But what if God was like, come on, you make your move and it's going to fit in with my move? What if, in my wisdom and in my authenticity of God, I know what the devil's going to do before he does it? So, what if I set up such a plan for my son to be crucified and I let the devil do it? Because he just wants to kill. And as he kills, steals, and destroys, God comes, resurrects a life, sits him at the highest point of power as a man with flesh and bones. A man who was made from dust is now at the right hand of God, where we worship flesh and, flesh and bone. He's flesh. Of our flesh, bone of our bone. Jesus knows the pain and the suffering that we've been through as people. He's not a God that doesn't identify with pain. He's a God that identifies with pain and He reveals what He wants to heal. And so He's revealing the pain and it hurt. Boy, it hurts. You know, God has been detoxing me of religion for like four years and it's been painful. Like, anybody ever seen someone on drugs and they're getting detoxed? How painful that is? Religion was like a drug that drugged me, literally drugged me to church (laughs) and detoxed me so bad that I start pricking my nose up at people. Detox me so bad that spiritual pride, spiritual arrogance. That's what, that's what Lucifer had, bro. You want to be like Lucifer or Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, I'm sorry, guys. But as we're about to close, this is about to be the most powerful part. When you know who you are, it changes everything. If the worship team will come, we're about to sing this song. But right before we sing this song, can I make a statement to you today? And as I make this statement, I would like us to stand to our feet. Because the devil's been telling you who you are long enough. The devil tried to tell you you weren't good enough through your family. The devil tried to tell you you would never measure up to anything. Raise your hand if that that has happened to you before. If someone has spoken evil words over you and you believed it. Look Look around the room. As I say this over you, this is not talking about the sinful you. This is talking about the sanctified you. The one who used to be blind from birth, but now sees and worships. As I say this, there's about to be a shout that comes to the room. Because some of you are going to think I'm going to stop at just three points. And like, wow, I know who I am for real this time. But as I say this let this stick in you man like let all those evil words because words are so powerful they create and maybe that evil word created something evil in you but you know how powerful a good word is You know how powerful a God word is? A God word can create something so holy and so powerful and so good within you. This is who you are. You are the head and not the tail. You are a daughter and a son of the most high God. You are a spirit being who lives in a body who will live forever. You are royalty because God is your dad. You are an arrow of fire God is sending out to the world. You are redeemed. You are chosen. You are anointed. You You are called. You are chosen. You are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You are clean. You are his sheep. He is your shepherd. You do hear his voice. You are being led and guided by the indwelling presence of the Holy Ghost. You are ruling and reigning with Christ in this life. You are right in God's eyes in Christ Jesus. You are an ambassador of heaven. You are a representative of our Lord. I'm <laughs> god. You are his hands. You are his feet. You are his mouthpiece. You are wonderfully and beautifully made. You are so loved because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You are so found. You do see. You are his very own creation. You're a champion. You do triumph in all things. You do have what it takes to do what God has called you to do and to be who God has called you to be. You are a citizen. Of heaven, of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You have all the grace you need. Your name is read in the book of life. You will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. No weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. You are favored. You are healed. You are victorious. You're accepted in the beloved. You're a praiser in the middle of pain. You're a praiser. In the middle of persecution, you're a praiser. In the middle of the storm, you will move mountains with your faith. You will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Your highest goal is love. And lastly, but not leastly, you are a worship leader. You are a worshiper. You're a worshiper. You're a worshiper. You're a worshiper. What if the purpose Is praise. What if the purpose is to give God praise in the middle of my pain? What if the presence and the purpose of Jesus is to end in worship? To end in worship. To end in worship. To end in worship. worship. I wrote this post, no more striving for perfection, but resting and living in the presence of the Savior who takes away the sins of the world. No more trying to earn God's approval, but living and seating at his right hand. By grace, he put me this way. I'm going to do an altar call right here.